Welcome to Shocker Girl Radio. We've created a community of spiritual women who know that you can still enjoy the finer things while you're on your soul's journey to live your dharma and your most chakra-aligned life. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome to Chakra Girl Radio. I am your host, Amberly Lyons, and we are on a mission to make the world more consciously chic and quantumly connected, one activated chakra at a time. We have such a lovely guest today. We are chatting with Deborah Silverman. She is an astrologer, psychotherapist, and spiritual guide and founder of Applied Astrology School. She is one of the, my favorite people to follow about astrology. She's one of the OGs. She shares so much powerful information, and she has also written a book, The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. And we're going to be talking about all of that today, as well as all the good juicy astrology news. So welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you. Excited to have you here. Excited to be here. Yay. So tell us your sun, moon, and rising. I'm a sun in Gemini, moon in Aries, and Libra rising. Ooh, Libras and Geminis are just really two of my faves. We love them. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> What is a daily ritual that you almost never skip? I have so many rituals that I never skip. I would rather talk about the fact that ritual to me is one of the most important ingredients that allows me to be who I am in the world. I could not be the mom, the wife, the daughter, the friend, the teacher, the business owner without those rituals. So I start every day with the moment my eyes open with a prayer. Of gratitude, of gratitude. So, so I start by just celebrating that I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And then I have a series of supplements that I start my day with that are all alkaline from nutritional powders to fresh moringa. So I enter my day by giving my body, and this has been going on for, I don't know, maybe 30, 40, 50 years, the supplements and the energetics. So I don't drink coffee and I don't do caffeine. And I've really found great value in staying alkaline, which is why I'm headed towards 70, but you can't tell by looking. And it's because I've kept my body. So I've been this way since I was in my twenties. I stopped eating dairy. I stopped eating wheat. I've kept my system super clean. And so those are ritualistic behaviors that have been going on since I was so young. And when my friends who are my age and I don't do Botox and I don't do the stuff that everyone does, I, I made a commitment that I was going to stay awake inside the aging process and it's worked. Oh my gosh. I'm like shocked that you are almost 70. You look amazing. We need to, we all need your full regime. So <laughs> love it. So I want to talk about your journey with astrology. How did astrology find you? And at what point did you make that your life's work? I was 10 years old (laughs) looking at the Detroit um, comic section, the Detroit news. And I saw the word astrology and I just about lost my shit. I I didn't know. I, I didn't know it would become my destiny, but everything about astrology to me was like candy. So at 10 years old, I had my first chart. And then fast forward, In my junior high school, I found a book called Your Sun and Your Moon, and I got to know every, well, of course, I was like a little Gemini popular girl in the school, and I, to this day, remember everybody's sun and moon, and I really got obsessed with that, and then fast forward, I was 17, 18, and I went to the first astrologer I ever went to, and 
that was it. I mean, I could not believe it. I was a professional dancer by the time I was 17. I was on television and I went to university and studied dance all through my whole childhood. And she knew it from looking at my chart. I was like, wait. And then she said, you would be a great astrologer. (laughs) (laughs) Way back when I was little. And then it never, ever left. I went to graduate school. I have a master's in clinical psychology. I went the traditional route, but the astrology was like, I had to know everybody's sign. I had to look at, I gave it away for free for years because I was obsessed. So I was going to ask, what did your parents say when you wanted to be an astrologer, but you were also doing this, you know, high achiever. My dad made fun of me. He was like, you're not going to charge people to talk about stuff. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And, and they, they're both passed. And now I think they watch me. I have a school, I have 50 women employees and I have a school that thousands of people have been through. And I think they are rolling around in their heavenly space going to, can you believe what she did with astrology? Yeah, no, exactly. And problem back then there oh. were no channels to be able to oh have my that God. capacity yeah. of clientele, let alone students, let alone spreading the message with, you know, hundreds, thousands of people. So it's, that's just so magical. It's like you, you paved the path as it was being created for the world. Totally. And when I went to graduate school and told the woman that she was from Harvard and I said to her, I want to do a research project on mental illness and astrology. And she was like, I don't even know what you just said. She was like, let's start again. Cause whatever you just said, you're not doing. I was like, oh yes, I am. And I did, I did a, I did a research project on mental illness and astrology. I never took no, it's so funny. I was asking my cousin just recently, was I like this when I was little? Like, I like, tell me how I got to this spot. Cause you're so right. I had to break so much ground. Nobody wanted to hear it to this day. Now your generation loves astrology. But when I grew up, it was kind of like a toy, like a parlor game, like yeah. something stupid. It was in the newspaper in the back of the magazine with a couple of sentences. Yeah, exactly. That everyone read it, but no one really cared. And then I had to pave the way. So you're right. And I asked my cousin and she said, you never took no for an answer. She said, no matter what, whatever you wanted, you were going to go do whatever they told you, your parents or our family, you just did never listen. And it was true. Is that the Aries energy? <laughs> That's my moon Aries. Good catch. Yeah. And it's my grand trine and fire. Like I... It's not that I was being defiant or being rebellious. It was just that the mission, it's probably like how you feel about your podcast. When something shows up that you love, there's no one going to stop you. Exactly. hundred percent. And I know that was like one of my barriers as well was how can we incorporate these spiritual practices while also living the modern life? And like, how can we have a desire to be in fashion, but also in spirituality. And like, there were all of these, you know, I would get dirty looks at yoga when I showed up in my cute outfits with like my hair done. Leo rising. Yeah. Leo rising. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's so magical. And I love hearing that. So I want to hear more about like the clinical psychologist side of things. So when you, did you have your own practice or you were just seeing clients and were you integrating astrology into that from the beginning or did that come later? So Carl Jung was, no one knows this, or at least they know it now. He was an astrologer. He was the original. So Freud and Jung were the original therapy psychiatrists that started the game. And he was an astrologer. 
Carl Jung. And he was quoted to say, psychology will be a dinosaur science until it includes astrology. Like people came in, I was in graduate school, people would come in, they would tell me what was wrong with them. And I'd look at their chart and go, no, of course, you're going to dress up to yoga. You're Leo rising. You're going to go out and buy the outfits and you're going to stand in the front row and you're going to want to get everybody to follow you. That's not, nothing's wrong with you. So it took that insight that Carl Jung was an astrologer to make me realize, why does everybody have so much stigma on this? Mm-hmm. So then were you introducing that? Like, were people kind of confused by it or how did that, was it smooth? How was that kind of introduction? Yeah. Once again, my, what my cousin pointed out, my will ever in my supervision, the supervisor would watch you do therapy with people. And then I quickly said, is it okay if I bring the chart in and do the first session with the chart before they start? Cause they're going to tell me like if I use your chart, I have too much energy and I'm too much fun and I've got too much need for attention. And I'd look at the chart and go, no, quite the opposite. You came in this lifetime to make us excited. Like, let's talk. So the therapy, I mean, I met resistance everywhere I went, but somehow or other it never really stopped me. Yeah. Amazing. And I always had a chart. I've never, ever done a therapy session without the chart in front of me ever. Okay. I love that. So I'd love to know any tips you have for someone who is trying to pave their own path and is bumping up that against that resistance. Like how can they stand their ground? I think if you get inspired by a teacher, this is what happened for me. I looked at, I looked at a young age for elders and I've always had them in my life. I always was the kid that hung out with the older kids. If you look to someone who's a role model or someone that's done something that stood out and went across, like Madonna for my generation was one of them who I did a reading for. Mm -hmm. Um, If you you look at those beings who have that kind of what you have, the fire to stand up and be seen, then you ask yourself, because everyone has all four elements in them, but it's obviously easier access for some of us, then you give them the role modeling and encouragement and you act as though you were them. And you say, what would Madonna do in this situation? What would Deborah do? Like give yourself over to someone else as a role model, because Mm -hmm. if you're lacking support or strength, you become your own resource by having your imaginary friends or your mentors or your teacher or your really good coach. All you need is one person. This is true for you in your chart. If one person says you're great because you need a lot of feedback Mm -hmm. and then then you take the feedback and go, I am. Now you're going to go for the next two days feeling good. But if you lack that feedback for you, particularly for a fire personality, they don't get motivated. Right. They need applause. You look great. So true. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So I want to, I want to talk about those elements a little bit more. I know, well, first tell us about your book, the missing element, inspiring compassion for the human condition. Tell us about the book and like when it comes out and what inspired this specific topic. I had the stupidest family. It's okay to say that now. And in my book, I refer to them as stupid stories. Everybody has a stupid story. I I had a ridiculously exaggerated like I always say, if Woody Allen would have come to my house, he wouldn't have changed anyone's outfits because it was a little Jewish family and they all were loud and they all had these ridiculous personalities. So it gave me compassion because I was first, I was so confused. Why is everyone talking over everyone? Why is no one listening? Why, when I cry, do I feel self-conscious? Because my dad hates when we cry. And my mom says, don't I, like, this is crazy pants. So that inspired me was the broken dysfunctional family life that I grew up in. And I felt so, and 
my nature, like your fire, I have a lot of water. And mm. that makes me that makes me very empathic mm. pain body on this planet. It, it affects me personally when I spend too much time thinking about anything to do with war or anything to do with starvation. And I'm like, so I figured out, uh-oh, I had to, so the book is about the missing element is really the observer. The part of you that steps back and looks over at life from the soul's point of view and says, oh, wow, that's so sad. You must be learning something. So I learned from my observer. I, the whole book was trying to help people look at their personality type with the eyes of love and go, well, no wonder you need a lot of attention. Like that's not a surprise, Amber. And Deb, no wonder you have to talk. You've got so much air in your chart. So I turned on the observer. That book is all about turning people's observer on so they can look over at their quirky personality type and stop judging it. Mm, I love that because I often judge myself for wanting too much attention. (laughs) It's what you're so supposed to. Well, and then another thing too. So I want to talk just about how the elements can help us better understand ourselves. Can we kind of like break down just Cole's notes, the elements and what traits are associated to them? You mentioned like the water has that very like empathy. I know there's probably tons of them, but at like high level, can you explain the four elements? So think about tears for water. Think about the desire to be with babies, with dogs at home, with the cat. They're people that love quiet and they're vulnerable and they cry easily and they have a high degree of empathy. So it becomes very confusing. Like if you're sad, I'm sad. It's Mm -hmm. like the whole world is contagious for a water person. So they like to be alone. They like to be retreat. They like to be making music or watching videos or being with their favorite people and no one else. (laughs) Don't come over. It's my house. It's my bedroom. Leave me alone. So it's the internal psychic, sensitive, empathic, mush push people who are really good at making dinner and playing house and giving you the feeling of being healed because they really do want to take care of you and feed you. Like they're like the kind of like the grandmas. Yeah. Well, I want to ask about this while you're talking about this specific topic is that I have like no water. And then I, I mean, I have a little bit, I think one of my planets is in Pisces. Two planets in water. You have Pluto in, I I love when people talk about astrology and they don't really know. It kind of makes sense. You have Pluto in Scorpio and Jupiter in in Pisces. And so, yes, you do have water. Yes. You have the moon in the fourth house of water. So I'll tell you when we get to your missing element, but it's not water. Okay. Interesting. Cause I always like, I'm so, I don't have that warm, loving motherly touch. And then I always shame myself for that. Right. Okay. That's a good way to put it. So the way it would show up for you is more in your magical, mystical fascination with crystals and dancing and moving energy and wanting to do energy work and chakras, but right. not, but not the personal cause you're Aquarius. Right. So it doesn't hit the ground as a human would. You're kind of an unusual version, but you have water. Don't you love being in the um, realms of smells and taste? And don't you have a high value? Yes, 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 yes. Like I love beauty and like, I don't know, just like the whimsy of the world. The aesthetic. Yes, that's water. People that have a great appreciation for the vibrations and the invisible. And yes, it is low in your chart, but it's not the lowest. Okay, so that's water. 
Let's do. And that would be Cancer, Pisces, and Scorpio. But you don't have to be a water sign for this to fit. That's the thing about the book. There is no astrology in the book. It is simply the four personality types. And there's a test in the middle of the book where you figure out your missing element. And then there's some very strong directives of how to heal whatever you're missing, because that's the single factor. Okay, then comes air. So then you spend nine months in water. You're in someone's womb. The water element is first thing in the morning. You wash your face. You take a shower. You drink the coffee. You do your prayers. And then the baby comes out. The first breath, we're in air now. And air is you get the name and you learn to write and you learn to study. And it's all the intellectual, mental constructs that we love. Social media and listening to podcasts and following people's websites. And it's all about reading books and magazines. And air people put so many things in their backpack or in their suitcase when they're traveling of books they are never going to read. But they always have to have books around. And they, they have the social media and their telephone and they're socializing and they live to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and we call them air sign. We call them airheads. This is you and I. They we yeah. call them airheads because they just talk and they forget where they were going and they're so spontaneous. And it's like a bird who has no map, but always knows how to get to where they're going. That's air. Don't tell me how to get there. I'll go there on my terms. Yes. Especially Aquarians. They hate yes. told what to do. hundred percent. So that's Gemini, Aquarius, Libra. Yeah. Exactly. And you have quite a bit of this in your chart. And it and it describes the personality type who is in a way they're so fascinated by life and they're so intellectual, but they can't feel it. Mm-hmm. They go numb. So that was your point. They're not warm and fuzzy. Yeah. They, they would rather write you a card than give you a hug. Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> okay. So that so air people, if you don't want to date and you don't socialize and you don't like to be on social media and you can't believe listen to this podcast, you're shocked. That's because you don't have much air. If you just listen to two other podcasts today, you just talked to three friends and you changed your plans because you decided you wanted to, that would be a lot of air. Yeah. Okay. So that's air and water. And then what comes next? So if the baby's in the womb for nine months in water, takes its first breath and goes to school for the next 25 years. And then earth begins. Let's get a job. Practicality, ground, organization, spreadsheets, insurance, understanding HR, I didn't even know what that was, thing. All the practical ground, this is the one you have none. All about money, all about taxes, all about organization, all about getting things in a timeline with deliverables and don't change. Mm, See, but I feel like I am like that, but maybe I forced myself. That's true. You might have learned how to compensate for earth. Mm Mm-hmm. You do have it indirectly because the sun's in the sixth house, and that gives us a clue you've got some Virgo in you, Um, but it's not your natural rhythm. You need people to help follow through on all the details. You You can think of them and execute with ideas, and then someone needs to come in and give you their lists. Are, yeah. are you, can you do that? How are you at lists? I can make them, but then I have like a million things and then my brain just goes sideways and I'm like, I get so overwhelmed and I can, I make us, I'm the queen of making a spreadsheet with all the columns and being like, this is how I'm going to run my life is by this spreadsheet. And then I use it for like a day and I'm like, eh, that's too much work. Exactly. <laughs> That's called no earth, but you have the Virgo in your chart to go make the list and then it doesn't follow through. Right. (laughs) But I bet there's people in your world who are super practical. Yes. Yes. I need that. 
Those are your people. So earth people at their low level, if you have no earth, you kill plants, you don't save money, you don't have organizational skills, you're late all the time. If you don't have earth, that is not. But if you're super earth, you're super grounded. Like, don't put the fork up, put the fork down in the dishwasher. What did I tell you? We're going to start on time. And they get so upset, earth people, when you're not consistent and you don't sign sheets and you don't give them safety and security. And the last thing. And last thing the air person wants, like, oh my God, don't lock me down. Oh yes, the earth person, lock me down. <laughs> that is very accurate. And so that's Capricorn. Taurus. Taurus. Okay. And then we have fire. Your best friend, because you have so much fire in your chart. Yeah. yeah. That is crazy. You have, how many did I count? One, two, three, four, five, plus your ascendant, you have six in fire. There's only 10 altogether. Wow. You, have two in air, you have two in air, you have only one in earth and two in water and six in fire. So fire, enthusiasm, excitement, physical, athletic, entertainer, performer, dress up, go out, have a party, sing loud, drink more, have another party. Who's going to play with me? I'm having so much fun. Are you going to come with? Oh, don't worry. I've got someone else to play with. You're not fun enough. Uh, Super energetic and blunt and honest and sticks their foot in their mouth and says things they didn't really mean, but they did mean, but then they have to figure out how to get out. I feel called out. (laughs) You're so fire. Uh, I love it. I love it. And so I feel like temper needs to be in there as well. Absolutely. The low road of fire is the person doesn't have impulse control. They get pissed off really easily. They say things they should never have said. The high road of fire is inspirational, totally a role model, a performer, you know, someone that knows how to really teach. Okay. So that's Sagittarius, Leo. What's the other one? Aries. Aries. Yes. Okay. So now we know the elements I've noticed too, like how did those tie in with like using the physical elements? Like, can we as air signs, like tune into the wind or like pray to the mountains if we want more earth, like, are there different kind of rituals that we can do to bring different elements in? hundred percent. I live outside. I sleep outside in the wind. Every day, every night, every night. And I, I, and I don't get in the car when I live in Hawaii, I live in Hawaii halftime and Colorado halftime. I'm always on a bike on an electric bike every single day, hours and hours and hours. I love the wind. So that is my ritual that I can't live without as an air sign. Fire people have got to work out every day. It's not necessarily the element of fire, but they have to turn up the music and have a drink and make the party begin. And where's the fun? They, they need that fire energy represented by fire going and dancing around a fire pit or being able to have a party and turning up the volume. Water people do really love being near water. That's real. They mm-hmm. love the stillness and the calm and the peaceful quality of quiet. And earth people, yes, 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 yes. Being on the earth, being barefoot, going hiking, eating organic food, looking at the list in Whole Foods and reading all this, that is all earth people's delight. And that is an earthy, practical translation. You're right. It goes from the theory to you know real life. 
So if we realize that there's a bit of a deficiency in our chart and we're realizing that we need to kind of balance out our elements a little bit more, what are some suggestions on how we can do that? That's all in the book, but that's so, so if you're missing water, you are supposed to go watch sad films, be around warmer people, learn how to cuddle, make sure you cook. If you're missing air, you got to start dating or going to Starbucks and talking to people or creating some conversation, even asking a million of questions. If you're missing earth, you've got to go organize your, the back of your car and the trunk and go get yourself into an organized situation, even though you don't want to and follow through with dates and checklists and if you're missing fire, you've got to go work out, have an orgasm and have a party. If you're not having fun and you you got to do that. Yeah, so true. So in the book, you talk about the elements as it relates to some of our biggest influencers of our time. Can you share some of that? Like who? I don't, that's, that was in your notes. <laughs> it just said that. In the book, you talk about the elements related to some of our culture's biggest influencers. Well, the Dalai Lama is all water. He spends his life in meditation. Barack Obama was double air. He was one of the best orators. You could listen to him speak. He's so charismatic. Mother Teresa was earth. She spent her life in selfless service, doing a job that was thankless, helping lepers who never got healed, and she became a saint. And uh, Madonna, Sting, there's so many fire examples beings who stand on stage and go, dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really easy ways to learn this conversation by looking at famous people. Yes. Cause they're kind of like archetypes that allow us to kind of have that visual or representation to wrap our mind around the energy of it. Exactly. So how can we really like tuning into the elements? How can we work with them to move into this new earth to change the future, to like support the ascension of the collective. I love the Aquarian question. <laughs> it is so Aquarius. <laughs> I just interviewed Zach Bush, Dr. Zach Bush yesterday, and he is preparing us for the future. He's also got, he's Aquarius rising. Wow. He was amazing. And his conversation is, which I have been researching for the last four years is that we're at the end of an era. We're at the sixth extinction. We're about to destroy the ecosystem. Water will be the first one to go. There'll be a complete change in the climate and there'll be an increased voltage that will not be recognizable. The society is going to radically change. And when you talk about the ascension, there'll be some beings who have prepared on the inside to, to manage their nervous system because it's your nervous system that is ultimately going to determine how you cope with this next transition. We are in a very, and he said, he said it so well, it was not more than 10 years. Wow. So we're a short trajectory before this whole thing blows into a different form. Mm. And so doing our inner work, tuning into, like using our chart for our, our own mental health <laughs> and allowing ourselves to be in a state of peace and elevate our vibration mentally, physically, emotionally will allow us to withhold that higher frequency. Exactly. And, and so we're practicing, we're in boot camp now, really learning through all of these rituals that your podcast produce, you know, sponsors and promotes and sales people do. Like for me, it is alkaline. And for me, it really is diet. I know that what has assisted me to be calm is that my nervous system, my, my digestion works. That's what he talked about. The whole yeah. thing was his digestion. 
I've been so called to just like, I know that I eat very healthy and I live a very healthy life. I work out every day, fire sign. I walk a lot, but yeah, I've been very called lately to even take that a step further with digestion. So if people are wanting to start to adopt this alkaline life, what are kind of the first steps? Well, you know what? I think Dr. Bush, it's funny to say this because I don't have, he's mailing them to me, but I have a very strong intuition that the products that he um, sells on his website, Dr. Zach, Z-A-C-H, and the second word is Bush. The first thing you want to do is alkaline your digestive tract. And the way that I do it is vegetable juices in the morning. I do a lot of juicing Mm. and a lot of, there's a a new product that I've just fallen in love with called Athletic Greens from New oh, Zealand. Yeah. I'm in love with that product. So that's all alkaline. So you're looking at drinking lemon water first thing in the morning, but a big glass of it every single day. The big thing is consistency. Mm. It's not easy for us air signs. Yeah, that's how I like. I'm really good at sticking to something for about a month or two months, but once I get out of my routine, it's done and I need the next spicy routine. <laughs> right. Um, so I, well, what are your, th- I, I'm just curious now. I know we're not talking about this, but what are your thoughts on meat? I think it's really important that you honor your body. I personally haven't eaten it since I was seven, but there's okay. a lot of people who need meat and I do not, I, I see the difference when my friends followed, you know, a vegan diet. And then I was like, you're losing all your chi and they start eat and they come right back. So right. I don't know, but I know personally, I cannot get near it right. since I was a kid. Yeah. I was just, I, I do great on me. And I was just wondering like what the alkaline, if you're going alkaline, what he said, what they say about it is if you eat meat, don't eat it with carbs. So eat meat with vegetables and eat carbs with vegetables, but don't eat carbs and meat together if you've got a digestive problem. Okay. Because it's acid and alkaline going together in your stomach. But that that is food combining. And the short answer is, I think everyone knows when you listen to your body what it wants. Mm-hmm. So I think it's true. I think it's really true. If you, if I, as I've learned to breathe slower, to honor my body as though it were a temple to tend to my inner world as though I was sacred. It's allowed me to really change my idea of who I am. And now my body said, thank you. Mm. Can we use our astrology chart to tune into what our body needs? Are there certain markers? That's a great question. I, I can't answer that. I can tell you what the chart can tell you is the people that can't figure out what their body is saying to them. There are people who are not embodied and mm-hmm. you know them when they're lethargic, they're cut off, they don't get excited, they're flatliners. But I, I couldn't say specifically on the chart, like here's where your body, I, it would be hard for me to say that. Yeah. Cause I've seen some things that say like, I don't know if you're this sign, you might have issues with your knees or like, oh, no, that's true. That's definitely true. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's body parts that are related and it is, but I just don't specialize in that. Okay. And that's not, is that like, that's probably not like something in your chart. That's gotta be. Oh, it's, there's a thing called medical astrology and they can tell you what you're prone to. Okay. And the astrology that you practice is esoteric astrology. I've never heard of that. Can you describe how that's different? So the exoteric, the regular astrology answers questions like 
where's my husband? And when will I get married? And when will I have babies? And what's the nature of my career? And that's very important conversations that that's all about your ego. Mm-hmm. Esoteric says more, what did you come here for? What is your purpose? Who is your soul? What's the nature of your specific challenges? So we work more on the internal adjusting. It doesn't exclude what the exoteric does, but we highly focus on who are you and how can I best support you to find out your purpose here? Mm, now I'm like, can you actually find out when someone's going to have a baby from their chart? Mm, I wouldn't do it, but yes. Okay. <laughs> do that. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So when is your book out? My book's been out for almost 10 years. I'm writing a new book, but that book, that book is still selling like crazy because it is, it's on my website. If you get it on my website, I will stick my, your chart into the book and I will sign it personally. So you can go to my website and buy it, or you can buy it at Amazon or audible. And um, it's been out for it's been, it just keeps on, it has six, almost 700 reviews on Amazon. Okay. Well, I, people like it. I'm hitting order today. I need to read this and we're going to link everyone to it as well. You also have a program launching applied astrology. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? That happens twice a year. You can get on the wait list. We just finished. That was for during the month of like January, February, March, we opened the cart and then August, September, October, and the fall, we open it again. So in the meantime, this summer, I'm teaching a class on parenting and how to work with your kids and how to work with your own inner child. And that is, there's also a wait list for that, but coming soon to your, if you get on my mailing list, you can find out all this stuff. Yes. And we'll link you guys to get on the mailing list, get on all the wait lists and, and Instagram. I do a lot. I have yes. 400,000 people on Instagram, over 150 on Facebook. And then I have ready 8 million views of one set of videos on YouTube. If you go watch the funny, you will crack up. If you go <laughs> to YouTube and you put Deborah Silverman Sage, a five minute video will come up that has a hundred thousand, 300, 500,000 views. And that set of 12, um, our five minutes each on each sign just made everybody laugh. Oh, yay. Okay. We're going to have to go watch those. We love, I I just want to, I just love how people combine humor, fun. Yeah, yeah, it can't, it can't be so bland. If it's bland, then I lose interest. I'm going home to the fire room. Got to keep it spicy. (laughs) Amazing. Well, this has been so, so fantastic, Deborah. Thank you so much. And what's your Instagram handle? Well, I mean, we'll link everyone, but I'm sure people want to type it in right now. Deborah Silverman Astrology. I think it's Deborah Silverman underscore astrology, but as soon as you put that in, you'll see it. And I'd love for you guys to follow every single day. A video comes out for free that tells you that the um, temperature or the star, the weather of the day. Yes. And it's super fun to follow. So go. Uh, yes. 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 Everyone, thank you so, so much for listening and go check out all things Deborah Silverman and we will catch you guys next week. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Shocker Girl Co. And if you loved this episode, please give us a five-star review and write us a little comment. We'd love to hear from you.